Hello, everyone. Welcome back and happy Thanksgiving. I'm Alex Donovan. This is Bald, Bold, and Gold. I'll be joined, as always, by Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. Look, I know we teased a guest on Twitter for uh, the dozens of you that follow us on there. But guess what? Sometimes things don't work out. Sometimes you plan for something to be there, and then it's not. You know, you plan to have hair in your wedding pictures, and then you don't. And not speaking from experience, because I'm not married. All this is irrelevant. We have a great show for you guys this week. The Irish are back in a huge matchup against North Carolina, 19th ranked in the college football playoff standings. It's on the road. We talk a lot about it, the matchups they'll face, the explosive offense Carolina has. Uh, we do our picks for the week. We talk about college football in general, especially the new college football playoff rankings. And then, guess what's coming? Irish basketball. We spend a few minutes talking about Irish basketball at the end of the pod, so get ready. We have a great show for you. November 24th at long last seems like it took forever this year but the college football playoff rankings are out the Irish are number two you know and that was kind of expected but there's a whole lot of other storylines to talk about here where do you guys want to start Ian I think you're fired up go ahead um I mean to talk we want to talk about the the playoff rankings or we want to go around the country first let's go playoff rankings this is the immediate reaction because because we're recording right right afterwards the, the immediate immediate reactions is I think um Clemson being three is huge for us because I was I was ready to come on here with a take that Clemson was now being viewed a little differently by people and I thought it was disrespectful to us because people were looking down on Clemson because they lost to us. Um, glad I didn't have that take because I would have been wrong. Because um, <laughs> I think Clemson being three is huge for us. It means our... Our win against them is is as respected as it should be. Um, means they still think highly of Clemson, um, and a loss in the ACC championship won't put us out of contention. So I think I think that is very very important to us, and I honestly wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point, and I think also you have to look at Ohio State too, getting getting bumped back a little bit after after a shaky performance against Indiana. Don't get me wrong, Indiana is a pretty good team, and I think they deserve their spot at 12. I think that's kind of right there. Maybe maybe would have had them up a spot, maybe not. Um, but they're a really well coached team by Tom Allen. But I think it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a slap in the face to them. Like, hey, if you guys expect to make the playoffs, like it's not going to be just a waltz in. Like you're going to have to take care of business um, because there's going to be other undefeated teams, possibly other undefeated conference champions that we're going to need to put you that are that you're going to need to get in over. 
So uh, who do they play this week? I would hate to be the person, the team they have to play this week because I think they're going to try and hang a hundred. They might Ohio State. They play Illinois. They play oh. Illinois. They it's might. Like a four t- it's like a four touchdown spread, and it should be doubled that. They yeah. they they're going to try. They're at least going to get a fifty piece, if not try and ha- hang a hundred on them. I mean, if you think about it, though, like look at Ohio State. They have their best wins over number twelve Indiana. Clemson, just straight up, you, you know, do you fault a team for losing that's ranked ahead of you when they have a win over Miami who clocks in at 10? So, you know, they have a better win and their only loss is to a higher ranked team. So, and they've played three more games or four more games total than Ohio State. So, you know, I'm glad the committee did this. You know, when you really think about it, it makes sense, especially given how Ohio State, especially on the defensive end, just hasn't been that impressive. Yeah, I think, I think. It would have been a bigger blowout had just – not a blowout. It would have been a, a larger spread had Justin Fields not turned the ball over as much as he did. That being said, Indiana left some points on the field. Um, they had some crucial turnovers. They made some mistakes. But the way Michael Penix and Indiana and Fry Fogle and their receivers kind of dominated Oklahoma State or uh, Ohio State's secondary, I think that's ultimately what dropped him before. Because you gotta, you gotta expect Justin Fields to bounce back. And we'll, and I think we'll get to this when we talk around the country. We don't have to hang on this for now because I think there's other stuff we want to get to. But Ohio State's offensive line did not look fantastic either. Like, if you're asking me right now, what who I think would win the the line of scrimmage battle between def- you know, Notre Dame's front four and their rotation, or the Clemson or the Ohio State front five, I think Notre Dame beats them down. Like. So I think that yeah, this team has this team definitely showed that there's some chinks in the armor that that there's some flaws that that good teams, well coached teams, will expose. Um, yep. One other place. I, I go ahead, D. go ahead. Oh. oh no, I was I was gonna change topic, but me too. I was gonna go to BYU. Okay, go ahead. Let's talk Mormons. So let's talk Mormons. I think I I get it. Their schedule. The strength of schedule isn't there. It won't be there for the rest of the year, and it's something we're going to come back to in a few minutes. But, man, I I, I have a very hard time believing that BYU does not beat Georgia right now, does not beat Miami, does not beat Indiana, and does not beat Iowa State. I think the, the, the team that would give them the best game is probably Indiana. I think that Oklahoma could hang with them and beat them uh, because Oklahoma is much improved, as we saw this weekend. But man, BYU at fourteen, I think is a bit disrespectful. I thought it was a, I thought it was a straight punishment because if you listen to the head of the committee talk about it afterwards, he went right to he said we're very impressed. Which I'm a, if I'm a BYU fan, which I have been a BYU fan. Let's just say it. I've I've been on the Mormon train all year. They've been um, covering I'm machines. Pissed, I'm pissed at him. We'll get back to that later. But he was like, the, B, BYU impressed the committee. No, they no you. No, they didn't. Clearly, they didn't. If you ranked them at fourteenth, so I think they punished them with the news coming out that they turned down this Washington game because he went directly to their schedule and their best win being Boise State. And it turns out Boise State really isn't that good, so their no. schedule isn't much. But they haven't really shown a chick in their armor at all, where other teams really have, especially Miami. Miami's Miami being ten, I think, is is a lie. Same with Georgia. Yeah, I mean Georgia. I think that's a little recency bias with the JT Daniels. Shootout, but they even had GT Daniels only yeah, one by only beat, one by touchdown. No, yeah, yeah, I, against you're the right, Mississippi but. State team that was 
decimated. Their their offense. They traveled went. like forty nine players. I have it, I have it, it was forty nine. <laughs> I have a, I have a serious gripe with with rankings nine and ten in this. I think that Oklahoma probably Oklahoma and BYU should probably be up ahead of these, so those two teams. I, I think those teams are flawed. I want to talk about Oklahoma. I hate that they're eleventh because the first ranking coming out. Teams within the top 14 have a legitimate shot. And I think Oklahoma has a shot. Um, if things fall the right way for them, I think they have a shot at the playoff, and I think that's BS. Because they lost a Kansas State well, team question. that just got destroyed by Iowa State. They got waxed. Just got they absolutely also, waxed. Like Oklahoma they also lost to Iowa State. Also yes. lost to Iowa State. So why, I, why are they ahead of them by two spots? It I, makes do, no I don't sense. understand why. I hate that Oklahoma's 11. I think that is... Lincoln Riley bias from the playoff committee. I don't know why they want them in the playoff. When have they shown up in the playoff? Because they draw. The <laughs> and yeah, sure they draw. And like I'm, I, I'm not gonna dispute that argument because that's one of our arguments. We draw, but uh, they. I don't know why they would. I hate. I just can sense Oklahoma creeping up there, and they should be nowhere near the playoff conversation. I don't think. And, and you know what? I think I think that the that the committee was was pretty hypocritical. Uh, in the in this head to head shit because at five and six, at at numbers five and six, they took Texas A and M ahead of Florida. Although I think Florida is the better team, I think you have a very good case to make that the Florida is the better team. They value Texas A and M's early season win head to head over Florida. So then why? So then to your point, then why is Oklahoma ahead of Iowa State? Because Iowa State has the early season head to head over over Oklahoma. I do think this Oklahoma team has changed, but I think the Texas A&M team has changed. I think the Florida team has changed. Like I, I just, I've, I, I have an issue with that for, with the committee. I think, I think it was a bit hypocritical there. If we're gonna play the head-to-head on one side and not play it on the other. Um, D, I got, I got one more. If you got nothing, I got one more. You go ahead. Right, I, I was gonna say, so Cincinnati is the highest-ranked, uh, I guess, group of five team ever in the college football rankings era starting at seven UCF never got higher than eight. I like there's scenarios where, you know, if the big 10 champion has one loss and Notre Dame beats Clemson to, you know, essentially knock Clemson out. I think that gets Cincinnati in the playoff. So do I, there's a chance. I think they, I think I don't see a reason like, yeah, I th- I think they have you know, a decent. Why work. are you putting Texas A and M ahead of them with you know one win over Florida? Especially Florida has two losses as well that discredits A and M's win. You know what's to stop Cincinnati from you know leapfrogging A uh, and M? I think they 100 percent should. They've played a tough schedule, and the one thing I want to touch on is like there's been a lot of rumors recently. Them and BYU have that open date on December 5th. Now, I could get now why BYU would want to schedule it, but if you're Cincinnati, do you really want to schedule that game? They have no. some solid wins. And... No, I wouldn't. What's, do, what's the latest they could schedule that game? They probably have to schedule it like a week before? Probably. Probably the Sunday. So probably I, the Sunday I, think, I think that's a, that's a day of say, like, situ, like uh, decision from them. Like If they still find themselves on the outside looking in at that point, it's undefeated conference championships is what you're probably looking at. You have to schedule that game for Cincinnati. I don't know, dude. They, I mean, they still get to play. They got, they still get to play Tulsa. So they Temple this weekend, probably twice. And they get to play Tulsa Tol- twice. Tulsa on the twelfth, and then probably again on the nineteenth. 
And Tulsa's a pretty good team, as we know. Like, Tulsa's got Tulsa's got a little funky magic that's going with them. Which is is good Tulsa for still undefeated? Yeah, no. And that, one no, loss? I don't think so. Tulsa's not, no. Yeah, they, they're a one-loss team. They, I mean, they yeah, are not good at 25. They are yeah, a good yeah. team. They are a good team. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think I had no problem with them making the rankings. I think they're a pretty good team. Uh, but yeah, I think I think. Although I do think, yeah, I was going to say beating BYU once I think would carry more weight than beating Tulsa twice because Tulsa's not going to be ranked at the end of the day. Definitely, but you don't want to bite off more than you more than you can chew. You'd have to go four, number fourteen BYU, number twenty five Tulsa, number twenty five Tulsa. That's a tough stretch to end the season for anybody. I don't know, but, but you know what? You got if if you're a group of five team, you got to do something special to get in, right? And I think there's more scenarios, and the, uh, the, uh, and I think there is a path, but I think there are way more scenarios to them not getting in because if Clemson were to beat Notre Dame, there's a good chance they both get in, or if Florida were to beat Alabama, there's a good chance they both get in. You know, like also say Northwestern beats Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, what happens then? Like I, I, I don't think it's gonna happen. But, like, I, I, there, I think there's just more paths that lead to not happening than it does. I hope it happens. It would be really cool. I hope since I think since has a good team. Uh, I think Fickle's a good coach. It, it would be really cool. But I, I think Cincinnati is really, really talented in their their initial ranking. Donna, you mentioned it compared to UCF. Um, UCF is probably the best group of five team we've seen in the playoff era. Them being ranked initially ranked above their highest ever ranking shows that the committee is absolutely taking them seriously. For sure, taking them seriously, um, and and Florida and A and M, I think, will work themselves out ahead of them because um, one of the Florida's going to run into um, Bama. Um, what I want to add to that is, I, hand up, I was wrong about Wisconsin Northwestern this weekend for sure. Wisconsin was not as good as I thought they were. Graham Mertz played like a freshman. Um, they were missing their wide receivers, which hurt them for sure. And I am not on the Joey Galloway, Northwestern's a bunch of Reese Davis train. I'm not at all. I think that was a whack comment. And I think Northwestern is a very, very talented team with great athletes. I, I don't think – I don't think – they're not that good. They are, they are not – they are not eighth. They are not the eighth best team in the country. I don't have an objection. I don't have an objection to it. I think they played really well. Peyton Ramsey looked good. I didn't realize he was their quarterback, actually, until I was watching they're the game not, on Saturday. They're not – they're not creative enough offensively, coaching wise. Like, they're just, they don't have the look of a team that can really fight with anybody in the top four right now. If Joey Galloway could amend his statement, I think he would say that Northwestern's offense is a bunch of fighting Reese Davis's, right, while their defense right. is probably more like some Division One Big Ten championship caliber talent. I think you're right. I, I think you're doing you're doing him some favors, but that's probably yeah. what you try to say. I mean, even then, I struggle to see how they match up with you know the receiving core that Ohio State puts out there because you know Indiana made it close because they put up 35 points. I am just not sold. Northwestern could put up 35. I'm not sure. So I'm not sold. Northwestern can get to 20. Shootout. Can get to 24. Yeah, <laughs> they could. I don't, I don't think they could get to 14. Like I'm down. I don't think they had. They, Northwestern, in the second half of that game, played one of the worst offensive halves of football I've ever seen. Lucky for them, Wisconsin played an even worse half of offensive football. So, I mean, they just, <laughs> like, it was just so bad all around. Point about Indiana is their defense is really good. They have a really good defense. And I and Ohio State almost 
seamlessly put up 42. Yeah. I'm not like. All right. You want to? Let's hit some around the country stuff, yeah? Because we How had about, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh saving his job. That's such bullshit. Oh God. I'm oh so God. I'm so pissed. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. I think I don't. I, I mean, I texted a Michigan buddy, and like they at that point they almost hope they lose. Like that is the most demoralizing win ever. Yeah. I I my my beef comes with my beef comes with on the Rutgers side. I I was I was on Rutgers on the money line, and that would have been a helpful helpful eighth my weekend. Uh. If I could do one thing in this life right now, I would send Greg Shiano a text message with a gif of Herm Edwards saying you play to win the game, because he played for a freaking field goal in the first in the bottom half of the of the, of the first overtime. That's yep. all he did, dude. You got you got to take some pressure off your kicker. You got to take some pressure off your kicker. There's no reason Rutgers should lose that game, and it's, it was very very frustrating as some, as, a, as a Rutgers they, they fanatic sat down in the middle of the field. They sat down in the middle of the field from like four. Of, from like twenty five yards out, which yeah. makes it a forty two yard field goal. They, very, very frustrating. Hey, great win for Harbaugh though. Save the shot. Uh, what else? Uh, hey, he's got another chance to save his job this ooh. weekend, but we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Here, what I got a, a question about that. Like when Rutgers missed the field goal, that would have been the game winning field goal in overtime. Harbaugh's pumped, trying to hype his guys up. Is that embarrassing? Yeah. Like I know, as a football coach, you gotta win the game you're in, but it's embarrassing that he was excited as they as he was when he they missed the field goal. Like almost like it really mattered whether Michigan won or lost that game because it didn't really matter whether Michigan won or lost that game. Like the 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 message was clear. Basically. How how about the uh, I w- I want to take this down to Tallahassee because this this had. This is an issue that has levels to it. It does. There are some ramifications that I'm not sure everybody's aware about that we're going to get to right now, but does somebody want to give a little synopsis of what happened in Tallahassee this weekend? D? Yeah, I I think I have a general idea. So a Clemson player – yeah, I I I think I got it. So a Clemson player was symptomatic earlier in the week but had tested negative the entire time. So they bring him on the team plane. They fly everyone down to Tallahassee or whatever, you know. But then the morning of the game, that player tests positive. Obviously, had probably been around a number of Clemson players. But uh, I guess Clemson side, the doctor said, yeah, we're okay to play the game. I guess under ACC rules, it was okay to play the game. But Florida State's doctors is like, yeah, I mean, how do you guys have any clue how many people this guy was in contact with? Like, you know, I think we don't want to have this spread to our team. So they called off the game, what, three hours before kick when the entire Clemson, you know, football team, their entire operation was down in Tallahassee. And, uh, yeah, uh, Dabo was pissed, and he hasn't stopped. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's, he has not stopped. It's it Tuesday at 8 p.m. Four days removed. He's Easter. not. Yeah, he's not, he not stopped at all. Um, I think I think there are there are definitely two different ways to look at this. Um. I, I think Dabo is being a little baby, uh, being for sure being a little baby. I I can understand a Clemson fan and a football fan being like, well, they met the guidelines. Like, yeah, 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 sure. Um, Dabo's behavior is absurd. 
ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he's saying, oh, it should be a forfeit. If we want to play them again, like they're going to have to pay for us to come down there. Like, Dude, the money thing was grip. absurd. The, the money thing was a, the don't, world does not. Do not give me anything about Clemson football and money. You guys have a freaking. Well, it's just little old Clemson, man. How do you expect them to compete with big old Florida State and Bobby Bowden? How about Norvell offering to pay? Offering to pay the three the three hundred thousand dollars. He's like, I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay under my own salary. Yeah, I mean that. Would, he's Dabo. Like knew he was wrong, so he's just looking for other reasons as to why he might be right. Like. Yeah, dude, Donna, you said it. Get a grip. Get a grip. Yeah, he's got to relax a little bit here. Um, what about, thing is, like, uh, now he's like, he's like trying to big dick the ACC. Yeah, he's saying like, <laughs> oh, like they have to play that game now, like, because that's the week before the conference championship. Clemson would have had a bye going in. Now they have that game canceled. It should be played. You know, if it has any ramifications, as in if Miami has one loss going into that week, Clemson should and has played all their games. Clemson should have to play just in case, you know, they lose or something. You know, it's not unless there's zero ramifications possible in the ACC championship game, they should have to play. And if there's zero ramifications, Notre Dame should not have to play either. So here's a little interesting tidbit. I was listening to the cover three boys uh, in their in their Monday in their Monday pod. And they I think it was. Barton Simmons, who mentioned this little funky little rule, or maybe it was Chip Patterson, but one of them mentioned a mentioned this little funky rule about the rules about qualifying for the ACC championship game. I'm going to read it out loud, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll explain it to it. So he says, so the rule states for any team to be eligible for the ACC football championship game or to be considered in a tiebreaker, such team must have played within one total conference game of the average number of conference games played by all conference teams. Rounding up or down at at point five during the twenty uh, during the twenty twenty season. For example, if the average number of conference games played in twenty twenty in the twenty twenty season is nine point two uh, nine point two five uh, value, the value will be rounded down to nine. Uh, a team will be eligible to participate in the ACC cha- football championship game or to be considered for a tiebreaker if that team has played eight or more conference games. So. Essentially, what this rule means in in, in plain fo- football language here is that Clemson needs to play this game because if they don't play this game and the average stays above nine and a half, it's going to round up to ten above eight and a half. Correct? Oh, above nine and a half. If oh, it's is it there now, it's at nine points. It's the, it, so it, right now it's on schedule. If every if every game gets played in the ACC schedule for the rest of the year, the final will land at nine point seven, which. You you can imagine will fall will fall down uh, because some teams won't, won't you know we're, we're running out of open dates, but it, they need this number. If, if this number falls uh, stays above nine and a half, and they don't make up this Florida State game on the twelfth on December twelfth, they will not be eligible to play for the ACC championship game and will not be eligible to take the tiebreaker away from Miami. Miami will then play Notre Dame for the ACC championship game. So no matter what, I think that's part of the reason that Dabo was so pissed was because they absolutely need to play this game and they absolutely don't want to play it on December 12th. So it's a combo of those things. But there is a, there is a case here where if they don't make up this game or if they get another game canceled between now and then, um, they could be in some serious shit and not be playing for the ACC championship game. So I don't want to jinx anything. Yeah, I think I think they probably deserve a second shot at Notre Dame. But th- this is uh, there's there's absolutely some deeper level to 
the frustration that Dabo Sweeney is feeling for not getting to get this game in on Saturday. I think that has a huge, huge, huge role in it, and it was almost like a, a what-if thing until that happened to Wisconsin today. Wisconsin's game with Minnesota was was canceled for this upcoming weekend um, because of Minnesota COVID cases, and that made Wisconsin, because it's not going to be made up, fall below the minimum threshold to play in, into the, in the Big Ten championship game. So um, they, they need a lot of things. that They need Northwestern to lose twice for them to play in there anyway, but that I mean that rule came into effect today, so it, it mm-hmm. can easily come into effect with Clemson. Uh, and Dabo, again, just absurd behavior, but that definitely was 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 one of the reasons. He's acting like an absolute child. Mm. It, it's a nice reminder, he is a like child. I'm tired every, of this shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like Dabo. It's so much. It's so easy to be a good guy when you're number one in the country and you got Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence. And you, I mean, and then. As soon as things go wrong, Dabo is reminded that he sucks, and it's great. It's a nice reminder every once in a while that he's not a good person, that he's not enjoyable. He is not, he is not the great Christian he, he that I think a lot of people make him out to be. Yeah, he has a history of quotes that are uh, a little iffy. But So all right. that'll be interesting. It's we should like, keep tabs on else that. We want to talk about? Yeah, I think there's one thing that Ian, yeah. Ian, mm-hmm. Ian and I would like to, would like to discuss. Uh, I... I Ian, there was a, there was a picture. I'm not sure if you saw it. There was a picture posted this weekend of the BYU quarterback with a headband that read "Any team, any time, any place." Um, I think there should have been an asterisk on the headband that said "Except for the University of Washington." <laughs> this is, you know, I feel like so many people felt when you know they're in love with a celebrity and then that celebrity gets canceled and they realize that they're not what they thought they were. You know, so many people just have their heart broken, similar to how I had my heart broken. I fell in love with BYU and Zach Wilson when that photo came out. I was like, hell yeah, baby. Anytime, anywhere, any team. And it's <laughs> I was not I was anytime, pretty anywhere, any team. <laughs> I mean it's not. I've been on the Mormon train. I loved you guys and then what are you what the, what come on, bro. Come on. For the record, the picture on the headband was sick. Like when they first happened, that was awesome. Sick. I mean, I, I was jacked it was, up. It was incredible. And then the the, it's pretty comedic. The next day, yeah, they said no. They said and we no. Got, and we got to get another set of conflicting reports, just like we had in Tallahassee with Florida, Florida State, and Clemson. There are conflicting reports reports about whether or not BYU wants this game. I bet if they can go get this game in the next half hour, if you if Washington still wants to play, um, which it would be pretty funny if Washington just said no, F you at this point. But if they yeah. can go get this game, they need this well, game. For sure. Actually, um, do you know who do you know who now has an open date this weekend? Utah. So the BYU Utah Holy War. No, dude. I mean Utah did didn't watch look any great. That's not a great team. Didn't look great. Utah looked yeah. awful. Yeah, they didn't look great. They looked awful. I mean, I also want to comment like that was the worst broadcast I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know. If, I mean, it was it was pretty late for you guys. So, I mean, it was it was, but it got to maybe twelve thirty Central Time, and it was after halftime. And I'm like I'm like hanging on, hoping the Utes could show any sign of life. And they come out of halftime, and the ESPN broadcast had lost their their feed. So they, they had no they had no game film. Or they had no footage of the game. They were just showing the two broadcasters 
in their respective houses. Zooming. Oh, that's bad. I mean, just <laughs> talk and and it was like they were tr- they gave, basically giving us like a radio play by play, but they are not radio play by play announcers, so they did not, especially the color guy. I mean, he just had no clue what was going on. He's, um, he's lost. He's lost out there. It was a uh, it was a terrible terrible showing for both Utah and the ESPN production team. Bad week for the state of Utah. I mean, Pac-12 essentially with Oregon at 15, USC 18. I mean, that's they're not getting there. They have it's going to be real tough. They're going to yeah their their path their path looks dimmer than that of Cincinnati, and it's not close. Yeah, I mean Notre Dame has already played more teams, more games than an entire team in that conference will play, the entire year. Like they're only playing six plus one. All right. Speaking of which, you want to move on? Yeah. Speaking of the Pac-12, unfortunate we're not going to get to go to LA this weekend uh, to take on the Trojans. That stinks uh, because that's fun, but a great tradition. But we do got a big game with, with with the Tar Heels, who clocked in at number nineteen. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been saying, uh, you know, kind of all year that this was always the second biggest game on the schedule. I mean, sure, US, UNC's lost a little bit of the luster. Obviously, they lost to a, you know, kind of straight up bad Florida State team, a very strikingly average Virginia team. But I think that's generous. I mean, just, yeah, that's generous. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, this offense that we're going to face is. Quite frankly, you know, it's up there with Clemson in terms of being able to strike fear into a defense. It's prolific. It is. Prolific. Um, one thing I will say about the offense, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going um, optimistic this week, guys, just so you know. Uh, it's going to carry out throughout the pod. Um, what I will say about their offense is the toughest defense they've played all year is Boston College, who is ranked number 51, who Notre Dame poured it on pretty easily. Um, we have the 11th ranked scoring defense, and that includes a game against Clemson. It also includes a game against Pitt, USF, and Louisville. Excuse it the other direction. But we obviously have a great defense, and North Carolina has not come up against a defense like we have, or a defense like us. Um, that being said, the initial line that Vegas sent out, um, it, it shocks you a little bit. You know, it's a little uh, little wake up call. I thought it was disrespectful, and I hope I'm able to make somebody pay for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Knock on wood. And that was three and a half. I mean, you know, Carolina, you know, you mentioned the 51 ranked Boston College defense. You know, they scored in, what, the mid 20s? 28? Yeah, like the UNC Boston College score. They didn't break 30 in that game. And that's yeah. the best defense they've played. Same with the Florida they State team. 26. They didn't really score against Florida State. I mean, they had a good second half, and you know maybe that, maybe there was something else going on as far as like just a just a fluky first half. But they didn't really put points up in Tallahassee either. They do play a, a, a high tempo um, type game that it's going to be a clash of styles a little bit. Definitely, that's like one of my. Key, we'll get to it in a little bit, but that's definitely one of my keys this weekend is. Uh, is tempo because I think who controls the tempo will be very indicative of the outcome of this game. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their roster on offense, like they have two running backs with more yards and more touchdowns than Kyron Williams. Actually, I don't know if the second guy, Michael Carter, has more touchdowns. 
I don't think he does. Javante Williams yeah. has. Javante Williams does. He has eight. He has he has eighteen touchdowns on the year. Over they both have over eight hundred yards rushing, two hundred receiving. This team relies, you know, as much as you hear about Sam Howell and what he he can do throwing the ball. This team relies on the running game, and Notre Dame has easily, I think you can say, top five rushing defense. We can shut down the run. If we can shut down Travis Etienne. You know, I know these guys have a ton of yards. Uh, Javante Williams especially breaks a ton of tackles. They don't necessarily scare me the same way in terms of just being able to break a game open and, you know, that ETN, you know, he breaks one tackle 70 yards. These guys are just not quite as explosive. I Yeah, I'd agree. I think that, like, just in, like, in my... In my my view of the of the North Carolina Tar Heels, like I think Sam Howe is, I I would I'd be tempted to put him in like the elite category. Like I think he's certainly proven that he's NFL ready. Um, I think he's makes really good decisions with the football. Like he really doesn't turn it over, um, and he's got a rocket for an arm. I think that he will certainly test the Notre Dame secondary. One thing that Brian Kelly mentioned in his in his presser yesterday is that Sam Howe is going to challenge you. He doesn't. He, Brian Kelly used the phrase ice the puck. He doesn't ice the puck in that he's not just going to throw it out out of bounds on the sideline you know, to some cheerleader, to some ball boy. Like he's going to keep the ball in play and give his receivers a chance to make a play on the ball, which is great for them. But it it's also means it's going to be a, another test for Notre Dame's secondary, especially the Notre Dame corners, who will have to kind of play some bump and run with, uh, with their receivers on the outside because, frankly, Javante Williams... Um, you know, I don't, I don't exactly know where you guys want to put him, but I put him pretty highly in my rankings. I don't think he's tra- Travis Etienne, but I mean, damn near, he's got to be near the top of the rest of the, the rest of the be- uh, the best of the rest of the running backs in, in college football. So you're gonna, you're gonna need, I think you're probably gonna need more guys in the box than you might against other teams, which will leave some of your corners on islands against a really good quarterback with some pretty good receivers. So I think there's a there, you know there's there's certainly some potential on the offensive end uh, for UNC to, to hit some hit some bigger plays than I think we have than other teams have besides like Clemson. Yeah, I mean I I was gonna touch on, on exactly what you just said that it because of how good Sam Howell is you want to just be like let's take Sam Howell away and and we'll win the game but you can't do that you have to account for Javante Williams. So if you're if you're blitzing Sam Howell, you gotta be aware of a running back screen or and, and them getting the ball the ball to Javante Williams in space, which is a little scary. You can't just key in on him and and key in on Sam Howell and, and forget about Javante Williams. They have a balanced offense which is gonna make it tough to defend. But I think that's where the game is gonna be decided. If we if we can get a a couple stops and make their offense uncomfortable, more uncomfortable than they haven't have been in a couple weeks. I mean since they've played Florida State, honestly, um, I I think we should be all right. That being said, I would love to keep our defense off the field as much as possible. Um, I want to see us have sustained drives. I don't I don't need to see huge plays from us this week. I just need to see scoring plays. I need to see long, you know, seven to eleven play drives at least that end in points, um, preferably in the end zone. Yeah, I I would love to see our offensive game plan kind of match what we did last time out against Boston College. You know, we didn't hit any of those 60, 70 yard long touchdowns. Every drive was 
essentially just give the ball to Ian, give it to Kyron, give it to Michael Mayer, just spread it all around the field, make them guard the whole field. And, you know, to this point this year, they've proven they can do that. On the other side of the ball, you know, I trust Clark Lee. I trust the guys on defense while I'm not in love with the secondary, especially the corners. I think the week off is going to help them a ton in Clark Lee. Although last year after a bye, he probably had his worst defensive game plan of his career. But So maybe not, but I still trust Clark Lee. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Clark Lee coming off a bye, giving him an extra week to prepare for Howell and all the different looks on offense. They're going to throw a ton of RPOs at us. Hopefully we give them some exotic looks. But you know, I think we'll see a pretty similar game plan to the Clemson game in that at times, you know, with how bad UNC's defense is, it's not even average, I don't think you can say. Holding them to three can be a win. So you see, you know, sell out to stop the run. You know, if they get yards in the air, fine. It's going to be similar to Clemson. I could see how breaking 300, honestly, but us, if we hold them under 100 on the ground, that would be awesome. So forcing, you know, them to beat us that way might be the way to go, just as long as, you know, they're not able to take the top off the defense. So I think that's why how Clark Lee uses Kyle Hamilton will be a big part of this because during the, in the Clemson game, he, he brought him into the box a lot, and that opened up some plays over the top. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the difference between the North Carolina run game and the Clemson run game is that we don't need Kyle, Kyle Hamilton in there and we can keep him as a safety because um, I do think we'll, we will give up some big plays if we re- repeatedly bring him into the box. So their receivers are bigger than the guys Clemson threw out there. Like it's easier for them to win 50-50 balls. We don't have you know big corners. You know Crawford will be matched up in the slot a lot. He's not a big dude. So I think having you know the six four center fielder back there will be beneficial. Maybe we see more of you know moving Wu around trying to create looks. Uh, you know I I love when we bring Sean Crawford on those you know slot blitzes yeah, when he's in sweet. the nickel. So that I mean, he's a really good tackler. You know. At least when he's blitzing, uh, open field, he's missed a few this year. But <laughs> oh yeah, Pat Court, this little flying squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Clark Lee. You know, that's a good thing about this defense is he has the chess pieces that he can move around to really confuse an offense. Yeah, I think that Clark Lee's gonna have gonna have his work cut out for him, but I think he'll I think he'll come in with a pretty good game plan. Um, I think you guys both mentioned it, how he's, I'm very intrigued to see how he's going to use Kyle Hamilton because I think he could, he's obviously can play either a big role in the run game like he did against Clemson or we, you know, we might, we might actually really need his help in the secondary this weekend. You might have to, you might have to go with a, with a front, with a front seven, um, and and just, and use that to use that to stop the run. You might have to kind of play a little bit of both and, and kind of see how the game ebbs and flows too. Um, and Ian, you mentioned this a little earlier, but like for me, and this may sound a little obvious, and I know I harp on this in past weeks, but like third down on both sides of the ball are going to be the most important plays of the game because you have to get off the field on third down early in early in drives on defense. You have to. You don't have a choice uh, because it, th- those are huge, huge, huge wins. If we're if we're not giving up anything, we're forcing punts. And then also on offense, as far as controlling the tempo, the tempo of the game. Us going three and out is not going to be very helpful. Us scoring in four plays is not going to be like very helpful. I don't think that's not really going to help the tempo of the game. You need long, like you said, long sustained drives, um, 
and stay stay on schedule, stay ahead of the, stay ahead of the sticks. Um, so and if you get down to third down, it, best to make it third and manageable, where it's third and two, third and three, third and four, and we can find Michael Mayer for a crossing route. We can go back to our bread and butter, which is that uh, which is that counter. You know, get Tommy Tremble to pull and crack somebody's skull. Um, I think you know. Make sure that we have our plays available on third down, that we're not third and eight, third and nine, and we're going to have to force something. Um, that's going to be really important. But and then the same thing on the defensive side. You just have to get off the field. And D, you made a good point that if they're going to drive down the field and we can bend not break and give up a field goal, that's a win. Count that as a win uh, because this team this team can definitely score. Um, I think they've had some fluky performances, but this team certainly certainly can score. Um, I listened to Mac Brown's press conference today too, um, and he was pretty complimentary of Notre Dame's receivers actually, which is like kind of nice that they're getting some recognition. I don't think a lot of coaches were very complimentary earlier in the season. I don't think they necessarily deserved it, but he was talking about how um, like the, sh- the sheer size and skill of a lot of these guys that Ben Skoranek is a lot bigger than people give him credit for. Javon McKinley's huge. They obviously have all the tight ends. So that was kind of nice just to, to get to get those guys uh, some, some credit because uh, I think they've played very well. I'm glad it's getting noticed. Um, yeah, couple mean, things. We kinda... Go ahead, D. Oh, no, you go ahead. A couple things we haven't mentioned, not even X's and O's wise, but North Carolina is where Ian Book made his name. First career start. Mm-hmm. He's coming full circle. Um, Trying to tie Tony Rice for all-time winning as quarterback in Notre Dame history. Damn, that is that is crazy. And then Nick McLeod revenge game. Oh, Nick McLeod gets a former rival, doesn't he? Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe we see a big day from four. Maybe we see a big maybe, day from four. Maybe we see a big day from four. It's, he's kind of do like he's yeah, shown the ability to the do ball. it. He's shown the ability to do it, but he's, you're right. He's he, right find there. the ball. Find the ball. It's big. It's brown. <laughs> it's flying through the air. Find it. <laughs> I mean, this year we really haven't seen McLeod be like dusted in coverage, like torched by a receiver. It's just the, the dude just doesn't get his head around. Like he's right there. He's really good at sticking with the guys. Just doesn't. He's turn ha- he's hanging with some of the best athletes in the country. I just need him to turn around. <laughs> like that's it's, it's the only thing I'm asking. One time for me, Nick. I do want to touch on something else that we, that we touched on a little bit last week that. Um, uh, situation kind of went from I think there's a positive and a negative to it, but it kind of went from bad to worse. Tommy Kramer with emergency appendix surgery, I believe it's called an appendectomy. Uh, don't quote me on that, but uh, emergency appendix surgery to get that removed. Um, he's out this week. Should return to football activities beginning Monday or Tuesday of next week. Should be good. That's crazy <laughs> for Syracuse. That I, I I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this again, another spot where like I, like. Again, our outside linebacker, like, we have depth in a lot of places. Um, I just don't know how much experience depth we have at the offensive line. But with that said, I think the positive here is that, D, you mentioned the idea of bringing Rob Hainsey in from 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 the outside to bring him in play, to play center and then putting Josh Lock. Like, the only the positive that comes here is the decision was made for you. The decision is made for you that Josh Lug is going to step in for Tommy Kramer and Zeke Carell is definitely going to play for Jared Patterson. Um, which is great. I, I, like, you know what? Don't take take decision out of everybody's hands. We'll just have to go with what we got. And I think it's good. I, I actually think it'll work out well. Uh, Josh Lug has seen plenty of snaps, and there's plenty of and Zeke Zeke Corral has actually gotten a lot more games than I think we realize. 
um, playing at the end of games, like the, at the end of the USF game, at the end of the Duke, uh, not probably not Duke, but definitely at the end of the USF. I think he played like a full half of football against USF. Um, so he's, he's, he's seen the field before. Um, I think that the, re- the rest of the offensive line should be able to carry the two, the two new guys. Um, and again, they got they got another they had a bye week to kind of to kind of make things gel. So I, I I hope that I hope that I th- I think we'll be okay. Honestly, on that front, I'm not terribly worried about it. I mean, I think Josh Lugg starts on every other team in the ACC. Yeah. Then you know maybe like I I don't even know if there's another team in the country he's not starting on. You know the dudes. You know we just have such good continuity. You return all five stars. You don't really want to break that up, but like. He was really good last year. I don't, I think I saw a stat he didn't, that he didn't give up a sack. Obviously, it's a tackle. Guard's a little different, but they say he's almost more of a natural guard. So, And then Zeke Carell, top 100 guy. So, you know what? I'm not too worried. North Carolina doesn't have too imposing of a D-line. So, Also, like another positive I'm thinking of, too, is like one of the questions that, I, that my lingering questions that are kind of hanging over my head, I'm not going to take away anything from the season because it's been so much fun, but like we will have some questions to answer come January and February about who's going to be playing quarterback and who's going to play on the offensive line. Um, and this is what this is what if we don't have that quarterback question because everybody gets another year of eligibility. Oh boy, he my fingers has are, another year he, of eligibility. Except I think he accepted his Reese's invite to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, but you you can go back on that, right? I would hope that he can, but maybe he maybe he should come back. Heisman hype, we should just all text him, and just be like, and and, and, he's, and you he's know, gone. he's gone. And you know what? Maybe maybe he can put some more wins behind his name, and that way he kind of puts this out of reach for quite some time. Um, yeah, oh, for quite until, some time until Buckner gets it. But we'll we'll get to that later. But anyways, um, now I think this will be a good test to see. Some new, some new fresh blood on the offensive line, and get some guys some real game experience. Get Zeke Carell in the game for real. Get Josh Lugg in the game for real with some other really talented guys around him. Um, because the offensive line, we're gonna have a lot of guys gone, uh, frankly, by the you know by the end of the year. Uh, this is not gonna be the same. It's probably not this offensive line. I'd be shocked if it was competing for the Joe Moore Award again next year. Let's put it that way. So this will be this is a good. That's another positive we can pull from that. Herb yeah. Street, uh, I think. Herb Street sucks. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I was going to say, I, I was going to give my key to the game real quick. Cause like, you know, you meant, like, we just talked about the offensive line for however long, you know. If we do what we've done all year and control the trenches on both sides of the ball, run the ball, stop the run, like, this team has an identity. That's at the core of his physicality in the trenches. You know, you do that, and I think this game, we control the – clock we're able to run the ball down their throats we take away their run game we get Howell in the third longs yes he can make plays there but he's not going to make every single one and i think we do that and i think i think we win this game comfortably so we can't get punched in the mouth early like we can't go down two scores because then we lose our ability to control tempo and control control the game with our identity so i like that's what i'm most worried about but um i'm not expecting that from this team all right, you guys want to get into some picks? Well, well, real quick, I was gonna say we got we got Herb Street and uh, Fowler oh, on yeah. the call, and they are gonna have a doozy with some of these North Carolina names. D, you you listed out some. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we've mentioned Javante Williams, the running back. I'd say that's like a six out of ten, but 
They have Storm Duck, who's that's questionable for the game. That's a 10. That Storm corner. Duck is a 10. Oh, yeah. It's not hard, but it's a 10. Chaz Surratt. Chaz Surratt is their best linebacker, or he was their best coming into the season. Pro Football Focus actually has him graded terribly, but they like to bring him on a lot of blitzes, stuff like that. Chaz is a sweet name. Then their two receivers, their two best receivers right now, actually their three, I didn't even list them here. It's Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, and Bo Corrales (laughs) at the receiver position for them. And And then... The last one I had, I was just kind of looking through the roster, is Jacurious Conley. Just curious. Just curious. What's his name? name. (laughs) Jacurious. He sounds like somebody who belongs in the East West Bowl. Jacurious. East West Bowl. That's in there as well. That's an East West Bowl name. If your name's Chaz, are you allowed to not play linebacker? Like, even if you're like 6'8, you got to be a linebacker. I could see tight ends being Chaz, too, but I think. I think they carry. They, I think they bring similar builds. Does Chaz have flow? Like what? I want to see what he looks. I like. I don't think so. Chaz Surratt. He. No, he doesn't. No, that is not what I thought Chaz Surratt would look like. He looks like a dork. All right. Well, I can understand now why he grades so poorly on PFF. <laughs> All right, fellas, you want to make some picks? Yeah, let's do it. We got a we got a decently big weekend. Unfortunately, this is usually a rivalry weekend in college football, so I think our slate is, you know, would have would have been better in a normal year, uh, but that's okay. We still got a few good games uh, coming up that that have some that have some serious playoff implications. You want to start with ours? Okay. So Notre Dame travels to North Carolina to play in Chapel Hill at three thirty on Friday, day after Thanksgiving. I love that that game's Friday. I think that'll. Uh, me when I'm got my food baby in me and, and don't really want to do much on Friday. That'll be my perfect Friday afternoon entertainment. Um, Notre Dame is four and a half point favorites after opening at a much at a lower number. I think they opened at three. It's up to five in some places, but we're gonna play it at four and a half. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I I think you know, like I said, I think this defense is good enough. You know. Sure, we play like we did, I guess, against BC and give them, hand them the ball three times. This game gets a little scary, but do I think we're going to have three fumbles that honestly just should not have happened? No, I don't. Ian Book does an awesome job taking care of the ball. Just let him you know, do what he does, lead us down the field. Let him stay on this awesome hot streak we are. I think they will score some points. You know, BC kind of got kind of stumbled their way in the 31. I think Carolina honestly ends up a little under that because they struggle with some of the athletes uh, that we have on defense. I honestly, you know, they haven't seen anyone like Wu on the other side of the ball this year. Anyone like Kyle Hamilton. Um, so I, I see this game. I see us breaking 40. And I see them sitting in mid-20s. I'm going to say 41-27 Irish win. I am less inclined to make a score prediction. Um, but I hopped all over this when it initially came out for Notre Dame. I, just thought, I also thought that was, I don't know if it was necessarily disrespectful. I thought it was wrong, and I thought it was too little um, with how we've been playing, especially coming off the bye week. Um, I could see this game going in a variety of different ways. So I don't really want to make a score prediction, but I'm going to take us to cover for sure, and I think we win by 11. <laughs> 
Somewhere, somewhere between zero and hundred, we win by eleven. You sure we're not going to break a hundred? Yeah, actually, you don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'd ag- I'd agree with you guys. Um, I think to me, to me, I think the line was a bit of an overreaction to the news about Notre Dame's offensive line, given that that's such an important piece to their team, and that they would be missing two starters. That's forty percent of their offensive line. I think that. It was probably a bit of an overreaction. I think that people in and around the program and who are very familiar with the program uh, are not as worried as maybe some of the other people, uh, maybe the more national analysts and, and maybe Vegas were. Um, so I think that's why that line came out, came in low. And I think that Notre Dame took a lot of money this week and why it's moving up, why I've seen it high as, as five as five and a half in some places. Um, with that said, I'm still going gonna, gonna to take Notre Dame um, to cover. I'm looking. I, I think it's going to be t- tough to hold this North Carolina team under 24, 25. I'm going to say they get to 27, um, three touchdowns and two field goals. I'm going to say they get to 27, and I'll say that Notre Dame gets to 38. Much like Ian, I'll take an 11 point win. Uh, Notre Dame gets to 38, uh, and they win 38, 27 uh, over the Tar Heels. Do we have a? All right. So the first over under I'm seeing is 67 and a half. That seems low. I have faith in Clarkley. I have faith in Clarkley too. I mean, well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to stay off. I think I had the, I think I had the high I had the highest prediction. Well, mine was higher than Tom's, but forty one twenty seven. That only puts us at sixty eight. Yeah, but I I think I think they at least get to twenty four, and then we only need to get to forty four, which I think I think we get. To, saying we only need to get forty four is not a sentence I've often said, but I still think we should be able to at least score forty. 40 points. My only hesitation for not saying we're going to score more is because I think we're really going to try and choose some clock. So I think just the number of possessions that each team might get is what keeps the score under that under that number. Um, that's why I'm going to t- I'm going to stay off it. I can, I can totally see it the other way too. I can totally see us you know this being a shootout, but I think just the sheer number of possessions that each team is going to get and have you know with an inevitable few stops here and there, I think we can keep it a little lower. But all right, the next game we'll go down to Alabama for the uh, for the Iron Bowl. Uh, Auburn goes to Tuscaloosa to play the Crimson Tide. Alabama is twenty four point favorites against the Auburn Tigers at home in the Iron Bowl. Uh, what do you guys think? Is this at Jordan Hare? No, this is in Tuscaloosa. Brian Denny. Uh, I'm taking Bama then. <laughs> I think they roll them. They're they're on an absolute roll right now. That's, That's all I gotta say. I mean, they beat Kentucky sixty three to three, and like they didn't play that well. They had an awful first half comparatively to what they were, thought they were gonna do. Yeah, Dono, it's the Iron Bowl. Twenty four points is huge for the Iron Bowl. I'm taking yeah, Cam Bama. Newton's not on, lining up on the other side. I'm yeah. taking I'm taking Bama. Anyways. I'm absolutely taking Bama. <laughs> they're, like they are so much better. Than Alabama, they're so much better than Auburn. Um, I think if there were fans in the stands at, at uh, Bryant Denny, it honestly might be closer, just because the emotions would be jacked up that much more. I just think when you're taking out the emotions of it a little bit this year, Alabama's just so much better. So I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win much more. I think they're covering the twenty four. I think it's a good point, and I typically am fearful of spreads this big in um, in rivalry games, especially big rivalry games like this. But you're gonna tell me that I get to I get to pick this Alabama defense against Bo Picks himself. 
and 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 Gus Malzahn, who might not see the end of the season. Um, yeah, I'm, not I'm gonna this game. <laughs> we were making that joke about. We were making that joke about Harbaugh. We were we were saying he was. He if 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 things went awry in that Rutgers game, he was not going to see the locker room at the end of the game. He was going to get a tunnel fire. Um, but I'm going to take I'm going to take Alabama um, for sure. I think I just think they're too good, and I think they were. I think they des- they certainly deserve the number one ranking that they got tonight. Um, I'm not saying that Notre Dame that they're invincible and that Notre Dame can't beat them, but there uh, there's no question to this point that Alabama's the number one team in the country. All right, another one with some. Probably, you know, some, uh, if, if you want to go the long way, some possible playoff implications, um, certainly some, pack, some Big 12 uh, championship implications. Iowa, Iowa State is going to uh, Austin to play Texas, the Longhorns. Uh, Texas is one-and-a-half-point favorites at home um, as of this afternoon. Uh, who do you guys like? I think this one's tricky. It is tricky. Like, everything's telling me Iowa State – and that I, I think Matt Campbell's a better coach than Tom Herman. But, you know, I, I've started to have a better record these past few weeks picking against my gut. So I'll go with Sam Ellinger and the boys in burnt orange this weekend. I I want to see Tom Herman lose in this game. Pretty bad. <laughs> um, and I think Iowa State has their eyes on that Big 12 title. Um, and they, they played crazy well against Kansas State. Um and they're rolling a little bit. They're going to feel a little disrespected being the dogs in this game even though it's pretty much a pick 'em. But uh I'm going to take I'm going to take um Iowa State and Cyclones. Man, my my gut is definitely saying Texas and Sam Ellinger that my gut's saying go back to that well one more time that you frequented earlier in the season. My head is cer- is certainly saying do not bet Tom Herman, take Matt Campbell and take Brock Purdy. Um, and 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 the, and the Iowa State Cyclones, but you know what, got got to risk it a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Longhorns. I think Sam Ellinger has a little magic left, whether people like to believe it or not. Uh, I'm gonna take the Longhorns uh, by by two at least. All right, all right, fellas. Next game on the slate, um, another one that's gonna be important for the group of five with a with a little sec- may have a secondary implication in the playoff is Tulsa at Houston. Houston is a one-point favorite at home. Uh, who do you guys like? I mean, I, I bet Tulsa last week when I had the, I guess, good win, bad beat for those on the other side of the century. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I, I can't say no. A, a magical Thursday no night in November. A magical <laughs> Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Well, that that was unbelievable because I, I went to bed, and then, you know, I see Tulsa – it's a Hail Mary. I'm like, all right, I'll turn this on. Then realizing you're in overtime, you're like, oh, man, like, you know, the other team has the ball first. You know, they we probably need a pick six here. Bang, pick six. And so that was awesome. So, I'm yeah, I'm going to stick with them. I, I I can't leave them after that. I I think uh, Slev's going to hop on this train with us. But, yeah, Tulsa's got a little magic about him. Um I haven't seen Houston play a snap of football all year, so I don't know why I would pick them in this in this spot. So I'm gonna go with Tulsa. Um, they beat Notre Dame like like 14 years ago, um, and I think they they roll off that momentum and they beat Houston here. 
so I'm gonna go. I, I too am gonna go with Tulsa. You were right. Um, gonna, I'm gonna go with Tulsa, but for a bit of a different reason. Uh, I've seen this team now come back three times this year. I think from I think the deficits were 14, 18, and 21 are the deficits that they've they've come back from. There's just something in the water in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's given them a little bit of magic. I think they they're they got to be a very difficult team to bet against for sure. Um, and I think I kind of owe it to them, given the bailout that they produced for myself and other Tulsa betters last Thursday, uh, with that with a hail mary magic and then a pick and then a pick six in overtime. Um, so I'm certainly going to go with the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, right? Golden Hurricanes uh, minus one. Or plus, excuse me, plus one going going into Houston. All right, fellas. So My favorite game on the board. This one's good. This one's gonna yeah. gonna be a blast. I saw somebody say that this game should get flexed to Comedy Central on Friday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one is that's funny. The bottom of the Big Ten East. I guess not technically because Michigan beat Rutgers, but Penn State goes to Ann Arbor. Um, Michigan is two and a half point favorites at home. I like that it's I like that it's south of the field goal. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Please give me something here on on this game because this is this is a just a tragedy if I've ever seen one. I love it. I love it. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know when we were talking about Michigan. You know, does Harbaugh get fired on his way out of the stadium? The loser of this game, the losing coach, might get fired on the way out. Loser leaves town game? Like, no joke. Like, yeah, loser. this is loser <laughs> leaves town. And, um, yeah, fuck it. Penn State's 0-5 against the spread this year. Michigan's 1-4, so it's not really any better uh, that when coming in the first game of the year. Eh, I think Penn State catches a little lightning in the bottle here. I, th- I think Michigan's a smart pick. I honestly, like, think they do, especially if they p- play N- McNamara at quarterback. But, I mean, I, I, I would enjoy seeing Michigan mo- lose more. So I'm going to pick Penn State. I have something. I prepared something for this pick. Um, listen up. <laughs> that is the sound of two dead programs playing each other. But I think the more dead program is Penn State and James Franklin. They have no desire to be on a football field every Saturday. Uh, Michigan has a little bit more to fight for, um, only because it came back to marriage, just because there's a change there. They're not going to bench Sean Clifford. Um, but came back to marriage. Have you seen this? <laughs> they, nose? they should consider it. but <laughs> They should consider him. Have you seen Cade McNamara's nose? No. It's, it's, it's long and stout, and he sniffs Absolute his beef. first win as a quarterback. Um, so I think I think Cade lights a little fire under this team, and they look slightly competent on offense while Penn State looks incompetent all, all over the field. So I'm taking Michigan at minus two. And honestly, if this wasn't on the slate, I might take it as a lock. I like Michigan a lot this week, which means everybody out there probably you should bet Penn State. Cool. I'm on the Nittany Lions to nobody to no to no surprise to anybody. Um, I am number one Michigan hater out there. Um, I choose. I'm going to choose to believe that Sean Clifford finds some of the magic that I've seen him that I've seen him find in the past. That they finally win one state for, championship 2016. I, that's not what I was referencing, but maybe. Um, <laughs> God, um, but they uh, 
I I just I hope that like Donna Donna said they just Penn State catches some lightning in a bottle and gets their first win of the season. I like James Franklin. Um, I I think he's a good football coach. I think I think there's probably more. That, I think he leaves a lot to be desired sometimes, but I, I don't know. I'd really like to see him get this win. Um, but I will say this: this game will be the car accidents the car accident of Saturday. Uh, it's going to be so bad you're not going to want to look away. That's 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 a fact. Um, so. Yeah, I got I got the Nittany Lions uh, on the road, but uh, getting two and a half. All right, fellas, some locks. Who's got something for me? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hop in. I'm uh, gonna hop in, D, before anybody steals it. I want it. Go ahead. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. There's no way Illinois hangs within four touchdowns of the higher State. That game's. That game's. I think that game's at at Illinois, right? That being said, Illinois was like 17 point dogs against Nebraska and absolutely whooped them. Um, That's more indicative of how bad Nebraska is. That is more indicative of how bad Nebraska is. And Illinois, like, they're pretty bad. They're not terrible, but they they are the unlucky next team that gets Ryan Day losing the three seed. What what was that line? Minus 28. Should 28. Be minus 56. <laughs> All right, so, so Ian's on the Buckeyes definitively. Uh, D, <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm also going with a uh, national powerhouse that might have felt a little scorned in the last week. I mean, as much as I ripped on Dabo uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, those boys are going to be pissed. And it's Lawrence's first game back. They're rested. And they're playing a pit team that's already had, you know, Paris for their best safety opt out. Yeah, the line's 25 that I see right now. Clemson's favorite over Pitt. It's at Clemson. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, five, six touchdown game. I think you both. similar. It's a similar thing to Georgia Tech. I think you both made very, very intelligent picks. Um, that game, you said that line's at 25, right? Okay. Um I think you guys made – I think those are both very smart picks. I, I, the big number scares me a little bit, but there's there's no logic that can convince me otherwise that the, the, both those spreads won't be covered. Um, my pick, my lock of the week, I found this to be interesting. This, this is one that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, Duke is going to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, and the line is even. It's a pick em. Um And I think that Duke football is pretty bad, and I'm a Jameer Gibbs fan. Um, for sure, and I think Jameer Gibbs does enough to win this, just to win this game outright. It, it's all, it's all I need Georgia to do, Georgia Tech to do. I don't need them to cover anything. I don't, you know, I need, I don't need anything. I just need them to win the game at home, and I think Jameer Gibbs at home will be enough to get the Yellow Jackets uh, the win, to get them to three wins this season. All right. All right. I wish BYU so. was playing because that would be the lock of the century. Well, well, they might be. We'll find They're out. Scared. Yeah, we'll sure, they out. might be. By the end of this pod, they might be. All right, fellas, you guys want to dive in, dive into our last thing? Yep, we're talking about the Fighting Irish again. Yep. This time on the basketball court. The hardwood. And now three straight missed NCAA tournament appearances, but there's reason to have hope this year. A lot of young guys on the team. Uh, you know, we're playing the best of the best. We're in the ACC. And then we're playing every other good team that's not in the ACC to start the year. Yeah. So, good good news. Good news. Your core is getting older. 
Gib- uh, not excuse me, not Gibbs. Hub, Goodwin, uh, Nate Lashewski, and Carmody are all juniors, I believe, right now, at least academically. Um, your core is older. You still, although I don't know how good everybody else thinks he is, uh, you still have Nick Jogo, who, regardless of his basketball skill, is a pretty good athlete, I'd say. Um, and you got Jawan Durham back. Um, and and Bray, Bray in, a pre, in a press conference, in his presser last week, was talking about that Juwan Durham has put on like 20 or 25 pounds, that he should be a little bit thicker, which is going to be really, really important. Um, because on the negative side, you lost some really good talent, in my opinion. Uh, John Mooney, you're gonna, there's no way you're going to replace his production. I don't care. I don't care who you bought in. You're not replacing the double-double, uh, the nightly double-double you're going to get. And we're going to struggle on the boards a little bit, I think, especially without him around. We're going to need, unless Jogo and, and Leshevsky can get some some rebounding power-up that they can pick up off the side of the court, like in, back, in backyard basketball, then I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to struggle there. And you lose T.J. Gibbs, and he's kind of been like your, uh, your floor general for quite some time, although some may say that he regressed. At yeah. Notre potentially, yeah. I I yeah. still think that he's a, his best year was his sophomore year. Yeah, I still think that that he that he's a, that he's a leader on the team that you, that you lose. So you lose Mooney and you, and you lose Gibbs. Other bad news. I'm looking at our schedule right now, and we're in deep shit. Frankly, optimistic Ian, optimistic Ian, bring it to me. Go ahead, Slev. It it gonna eventually it's gonna be a good thing. That's my optimism. I'm telling you. Uh, if if I let my mind take over, this would be the most depressing segment of all time. But I'm going to be optimistic the whole time. But you can c- keep diving into the schedule. Okay, so let's go. Let's go over the schedule for the month of November, late last week in November and December. Um, they, Notre Dame plays nine games. They start in East Lansing against number thirteen Michigan State. Win. Okay. <laughs> they welcome. The Western Michigan Broncos to South Bend on December second. Admittedly, a tough one, but but probably a win. I'm going to say a prayer for that one if that's the win. Um, Friday, December fourth, two days later, the Tennessee Volunteers come to town. That's the 12th ranked team in the country. So now you got 12, 13 and 12 in your first. No, that game's that game's canceled. Is that game canceled? Vol- volunteers got COVID. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if that was outside the window. That stinks out loud. Okay. All right. So scratch that yeah, Tennessee. It, it, I, I just saw that earlier. The following the following game will be December eighth against the number twenty three Ohio State Buckeyes. Win. Okay, Ian. Yeah. Uh, that weekend, Saturday, December twelfth, we go to Rupp Arena to play the Kentucky Wildcats, the number ten team oh, in the country. Jesus. This is ridiculous. a tough fight. The, the following the following Wednesday. December 16th, we get the Duke Blue Devils at home. The number nine Duke Blue Devils at home. Not the same team. Not the same team. Win. Okay. Zion's not coming out of that locker room. Thank God. Um, Saturday, December 19th, that weekend, we welcome the Purdue Boilermakers, who I think is a pretty good basketball team. The the. Yeah. Gotta have that one. We're gonna need that one in the worst way. We're not gonna be favored in that game. We're gonna need that one in a bad way. Next, uh, the next game, Tuesday, December twenty second, is at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. Tough game, winnable, 
but a tough game to go on the road to play. Um, I think good news is is that you've had guys who've played well in the Carrier Dome. Uh, like I think I think Hub had a pretty good game last season uh, playing against playing at Syracuse. I think you got some guys who've played well and have played in that stadium before, so it shouldn't be as overwhelming. But that's going to be another tough game. I would like to. I would hopefully chalk that up as a win, but fingers crossed. And then Wednesday, December thirtieth, day day before New Year's, the Virginia, the number four Virginia Cavaliers come to town. Best team in the ACC, still a win, home game. So, so just so your first, so your first eight games here, you play third, number thirteen, number twenty three, number ten, number nine, and number four, and you go on the road to Syracuse. Ooh. I'm struggling to find That's a lot. Tough. I'm sh- I'm struggling to find uh, a lot of wins. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I mean you got to have those like mid level games. Like I don't see you know beating Virginia. You know they bring a lot back and they add Sam Hauser from Marquette, who's a really good player. He has a twin brother, Joey Hauser, who's at Michigan State. Those guys are really good. They play the four. They can really shoot the rock. And, you know, I like those guys are hard to defend. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get down to it. The, I can see this team being successful, you know, in February because, you know, they're going to take their licks and, you know, in this late November, early December schedule. I think there's going to be two keys. One, Prentice Hub, he's the highest, highest rated recruit on this team. He needs to play, you know, at or damn near first team all ACC level for this team to have a shot. Mm-hmm. He needs to take a, you know, he took a step forward last year. He needs to take another giant step after that, become the guy of this team. Cause it's been a while. So, you know, you look at the Notre Dame teams that, you know, we kind of all watched the really good ones, you know, their best players were those guards, DJ's wings, you Demetrius know, Jackson and, and you, Exactly. And, and Grant Jerry and Connaughton. Grant, Atkins. Atkins, yep. Yeah. It's been a while since. You know, we, yeah. we need the, Go ahead. In, in Bray systems, you need the guards really to lead the way. You know, having Mooney was great, but I just don't think, you know, the type of basketball Mike Bray wants to play is, you know, through a, you know, more or less John Mooney's a 1980s style post guy. He had a jumper, but, you know, he was best when he was bruising inside. And the second thing is, you know, once we're going through those tough games, they just got to stay in it mentally. Like, it's going to be tough, you know, if you get your blowers blown off at Rupp and then have to go, I think, what is it, Purdue next, which is an intense in-state rivalry game. And these guys just got to stay locked in and get through that stretch. So I applaud Mike Bray for going for it. You know, this team, you know, a lot of the guys, the starting lineup is going to have a lot of experience coming back. It's not like we're throwing out the ball, rolling out the ball with five freshmen, but... They just got to stay positive, and hopefully, you know, we can pick it back up and make a run later in the season based off all the experience we have. I um, I don't I, – I thought I knew what a green light was. I think we're going to see a new definition of what a green light is with Prentice Hub run, running the show. He is going to be mm-hmm. launching from the left side of his body all year. He is going to hoist up some ridiculous shots. Say the Hail Mary that some of them fall. Um I mean, he's a good shooter. His shot doesn't look pretty, and it's in the air for 14 seconds. Uh, but sometimes they fall, and we're going to need a lot of them to fall. Um, mentioning that Juwan Durham has put on some weight is great. He's got to stay on the floor foul trouble-wise and conditioning-wise. 
Braden trust him with a lot of minutes last year. Um, need don't know much about Cormac Ryan, but he was named a captain, which was huge. Need him to be big. Need him to be like a bucket. He needs to be an absolute bucket, um, which which I don't know if he is. Here's my optimism about the schedule. All jokes aside, there are two games where we Western Michigan we should be favored, and then maybe the Syracuse game we like. Sleb, what do you think? We'll be favored in one of those games out of the nine. In the Western Michigan game, I don't just because it's on the road. I don't see us being favored. Okay, so so one out of the eight, we, I think we need to probably win three of those games. We need to find two other wins somewhere in that stretch. That being said, it's trial by fire. Like these, this team is going to be forced to mature. The committee shows recency bias. I think hopefully they'll applaud us for playing a tough schedule. If we can go into ACC. The, like the brood of our ACC schedule, having matured going through that stretch and taking some lessons away as a team and like playing good basketball, there could be some positives. And we can hopefully go on a run later. But, I mean, that is just a, a daunting task that, that I don't know if these guys are ready for because we were so hyped about this class. It was the statistically the best Notre Dame class coming in a while with a bunch of four-stars, but it looked like each guy individually was probably overhyped coming in. Um, Robbie Carmody has, has struggled with some injuries. Has not been his fault. Dane Goodwin has shown flashes here and there. Lashevsky's matured a little bit, um, but we're we're gonna need some some huge junior jumps that have been a staple of the Mike Bray era, um, and we're gonna need it from from four different guys. Yeah. So I my my take on it. I, I made the schedule sound very bleak um, because because the the first the first. Uh, the first eight games, now no longer nine. That now the Tennessee game is canceled, are going to be very very difficult. I think the magic number in those eight games is, is three, like you said. Um, you're going to need that game at Syracuse. There's no option to lose to Western Michigan if you want to stay competitive, and you'll have to find a little bit of, of Mike Bray Prentice help magic in in one of the other games. Um, yeah. Duke seems like one that, that can kind of be on the table. It's at home. Bray tends to play pretty well against Krzyzewski. Um, you know, maybe maybe Ohio Duke will be young. Duke will be young. Maybe Ohio State. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they are. They're they actually are. But yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to catch catch some magic here um, to get a third win in those first eight games. With that said, I think if you, um, I think you, like to make like a baseball analogy, like in the on deck circle, you know, before you actually get up to the plate. Um, where you play your non-conference schedule, you're kind of swinging with a donut on, right? Like it's going to be very difficult to swing the baseball bat um, effectively. And but you, the whole purpose is that you kind of swing with the donut so that when you get up to the plate, your bat speed's there and you're and you're ready to face some real competition. I think having I I think this will be like you said a, a, a trial by fire here, kind of just get thrown into the fire, um, and hopefully come the rest of the ACC schedule come January. You know, between January second and March sixth, which is the end of the season, the only rank the only ranked games right now they're going to play are at Virginia, at North Carolina, and against Florida State. Those are three of the rest of the games for the season. I see a lot of wins in there, like potential. I guess they play uh, and at Duke. So four, so four games against ranked opponents from there on out. I think there are a lot of teams that if they if they if they if they take the first eight games to mature, I think they they can hang with a lot of teams and. Um, 
and, and beat a lot of those teams later on the ACC in the ACC schedule. And help, you know, if they if they get to Greensboro and can make a little bit of a run, you know, I don't know why not. Like Ian said, there's a recency bias. I I um, hate the to one, what, ask the question. Well, let's be real here. We were going to need probably to win the ACC tournament last year to get into the to get into the big dance. So we're looking at potentially four years in a row of Bray missing the tournament after back-to-back Elite Eights that it seems like he failed to capitalize on. How how warm is that seat? It's starting to warm up. I think that's why he's taken such a big risk. Yeah. yeah. It's starting to warm up. It's definitely starting to warm. He feels it, and I think I think he knows that he doesn't have the talent to you know obviously compete at the top of the ACC. You know, Notre Dame never really has. You know, they've you know, I guess made their bread by being experienced, being, you know, heavy, heavily relying on guard play and then being battle tested in those big games. So if he gets that out of the way early this year, you know, and these guys, you know, see the level of play that, you know, the Kentuckys, the Virginias that everyone's playing at, you know, I think Bray's biggest thing is he has to avoid those losses to a Georgia Tech, for example, or a Wake Forest in the ACC. Like, those games just can't happen, and, you know, if you win those games, pick off a few of the big guys, it's going to be a weird year in college basketball. Like, if teams have anyone in their entire operation test positive, boom, 14 days. If Notre Dame's able to pick off a few big wins, who knows? So, and, it's and a risk. I could see it paying off for sure. One thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is going a little long here, but two, I guess two things real quick. First is, like you said, D, like they're going to, they're going to need to pick up some wins. I think that people like to play for for Mike Bray. Um, I think that that pe- people tend to respond very well, and I, I, I kind of I love his sideline demeanor. I love his locker room demeanor. Like I, that's somebody I would love to play for, um, for sure. So I'm hoping that that that, that kind of helps keeps guys engaged, uh, keep guys engaged through the, through the early part of the season, and hopefully if the ACC game, ACC game's looking still pretty competitive. The last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up here is just uh, starters and bench players that we're going to look at. So it looks like the starting lineup is going to be Hub at the 1, Cormac Ryan, the transfer from Stanford at the 2, also team captain, Dane Goodwin at the 3, Nate Lashewski at the 4, and Juwan Durham at the 5. And then off the bench, you can expect to see Robbie Carmody, who I happen to be a very big fan of. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a spark plug. He plays pretty tough. Um, unfortunate injury last year, but I think he'll be a pretty solid 6, six guy to come off the bench uh, and, and work into this rotation. I think that some depth would really help Notre Dame as well because I think that was something that they certainly struggled with recently. Um, Tony Sanders um, is a freshman. He's a six-seven wing guy. He can kind of play that play that three role and work in with Dane uh, as well. Nick Jogo, who I mentioned earlier, really an athlete who can who can serve as a small forward as well, kind of work in the two three two three four depending on what the size of the lineup is. Um, and then Matt Zona, who's the freshman, the six-nine freshman. He'll probably be your third big guy behind. Durham and Lashevsky. I don't think six nine is good enough. Is going to be is going to be tall enough to play the center position in the ACC. Um, but I can see him depending on how his game develops and, and depending depending on how, how game ready he is. I can see him being helpful uh, to give Lashevsky a break for some minutes. So that's going to be. I think that's probably going to be the personnel that you see a lot of. Uh, Trey Wirtz also transferred in um, from you from Santa Clara, right? If from Santa, Santa Clara. Clara. From UC Santa Clara, uh, but I don't think we're going to see him with the transfer. That, that's BS. I wish he, um, but I wish probably, he got eligibility because I think he could really help us. And Bray said that too. Bray was saying that like this is just a weird year that everybody should, you know, the transfer rule should kind of 
it's hard, yeah, I mean, it's all hands on deck. Probably not going to happen for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, because then that is that is the reason that he was saying is that you're going to need every guy you can to, uh, to play to make sure you can travel for these games and stuff. But yeah, so those are the nine that I think you're probably going to see in the lineup uh, that are get, that are going to get to see any kind of meaningful minutes. Um, so it's not the most exciting, but you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's a gritty group. We can grind a few out. I mean, I I hope we can get some games in. Hope we can get some games in because there's there's our programs that are getting shut down pretty easily here. Yeah. Stay healthy. Stay healthy and play as many games as you can. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Well, have right. have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, right. boys. Um, great football. Happy Turkey Day. Great football from here on out. Great football. Great basketball. Definitely. So let's have a great week. Welcome back, college basketball, and uh, let, let, let's go. Let's go smack the Tar Heels yeah. around for a top twenty win. What Why do you not? say?